All righty, it's good to see everybody this morning. We want to make a couple announcements. Uh, the first announcement, again, Randy and Diane, if God puts it upon your heart to send them a card, they won't be joining us for a while uh, because of the chemotherapy that Randy's going under. They actually had to postpone his last chemo because his white blood cell count was too low. Um, so, you know, please continue in prayer for them. They're doing, I mean, as far as their, their spirits are concerned, they're doing well. Um, but, you know, Randy's got a lot of health issues right now um, that just need prayer support. And if you see my wife sit down, it's not because she's mad at me, it's because <laughs> she's lost her breath. Uh, the smoke in the air has been really dealing, uh, wreaking havoc with asthma. So there's no class November 25th, which is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, nor is there any class December 13th, 23rd and 30th. December 16th, we will be having a quasi-white elephant party. Woohoo! Hold on, wait a second. How much can you communicate without actually talking? Because that was pretty good. <laughs> it's, um... We're still going to have the bringing of your gently unwanted gifts, um, regifting things. But instead of doing the number draw, we're doing a um, roll of the dice. Um, so it's a it's a different type of you know. So it, it's going to be no. It's going to be it's going to be lots. There's a difference. This is church. We're not playing craps. It's going to be fun. It's going to enable people that come in late to join us in whenever they join in. And um, I know that our Christmas party tends to double the size of a class. Um, and it can take twice as long. So this should help us um, mitigate that. Have an enjoyable time. Still have a lot of fun. And not, yeah. And are we still bringing pressure. dishes? Yes. And preferably food inside the dishes. That's the key. Darn, I just wanted to bring my beautiful dish. That will work too. I'm sure people bring extra and they can share the dish that way. Maybe she wanted to bring an empty to fill it up with the rest of the That's what I said, bring it home. That works too. Wow, okay. That's creative thinking. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get started. Father, thank you for who you are. You are a good and gracious God. And Lord, right now, we just lift up paradise to you. We lift up the uh, people in Northern California as well as Southern California. Father God, those impacted by the fires, those that have lost so much. Father, help them turn towards you. Open up their hearts to turn towards you, because you are the source of everything. You are the source of rebuilding. You are the source of reconciliation. You are the source of all that. And Father, we know also that we have a responsibility, whether it be in giving of our, giving of our finances or giving of our uh, abilities, Father God, to help in those situations. So Father God, whatever you're engineering, we're going to trust in you. Lord, comfort them minister to them allow them to come together as a community father god and truly love on one another and seek after you father god we thank you for those who are in this class we open up our hearts to receive what you have for us today and it's fitting that today we're going to continue to talk about submission 
as I, I just prayed what we prayed for uh, uh, those uh, impacted by the fires. So Lord, help open up our hearts to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. So last week we started talking about submission. And I'm going to read that passage from 1 Peter again. And then uh, touch upon some of the things we discussed last week. because It was kind of fun, actually. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 15. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives, marked by submission, should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. I like that. It is God's will that your honorable lives marked by submission should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. What do you think he meant by ignorant? Stupid? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's not... When we say we're ignorant of something, I, I mean, I can call somebody ignorant, and that's usually a slam. But technically, the word ignorant means you are just simply unaware of something. And so it's, they're unaware of God's movement in our lives. And when they see that, though, it's, it's like as God moves us in, in a form of submission that they don't see coming even. It's like I, I can't even speak to that. I don't even know what to do with that. And so it really does silence them pretty well. Okay. We talked about the word submit and what comes to mind. We talked about in the context of being a wife or a husband. What does submit mean? Because remember Ephesians, before it says wives submit to your husbands, it said submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we talked about it in that context as a husband or as a wife. What does submit mean to you? We also talked about what if you're a parent? What does submit mean to you with respect to your kids? You do what I tell you to do. There's a the door. I'm paying to rent here. I'm, you know, you know all, all sorts of, all these things that we've said as parents, maybe at one time or another. Um, if you're a disenchanted employee, what does submit look, look like to you? <clears throat> we talked about that. And then we stirred at the hornet's nest a little bit. Because we said, if you're thinking in a political context, what does submit mean to you? Because God's word says, submit to all human authority. So given a current uh, political climate in the United States, what does that mean to you? It's really difficult because I was, I was thinking on the way here. I see, well... I, I see all these comments. I don't have Facebook. I kind of look at Jean's Facebook. <laughs> and there's a reason I don't have Facebook. But I do look at Jean's Facebook. And what I see are all these, all these, well, since you're a Trump supporter, then this. Or since you're this, you're this. They make assumptions that just because we may, and you know, we just came through the voting and everything else, right? 
that just because you voted a particular way for a particular individual, you must agree with everything that individual stands for. No, that's not true. There are various reasons why we vote the way we vote in a political context. But it's important to understand that, you know what, hanging chads aside, and I know with all the electronic voting and everything else, the bottom line is, God still puts into place who he puts into place. And we talked last week about God rules the nations differently than he rules his kingdom. And he puts people in place to rule nations for the sake of carrying out his will with various, like I talked about in World War II. God rose up. He used Stalin to defeat Hitler. He used Stalin to defeat Hitler. Stalin wasn't a nice guy. He was not a nice guy. So God uses governments to bring justice to various other, you know, to nations and stuff. So it's important to understand that whole concept. And we talked about that last week. And that will be put on the podcast. And we talked about submission, what it includes. Actions of different deference as well as attitudes. It's not only enough to be submissive, it's also important to have that submissive attitude in your head. Because it does you no good if you're if you've been told to stand up in the corner and you say, yeah, I'll be standing up in that corner, but I'm sitting down in my head. My boss doesn't know the real job. They're just idiots. Okay, fine, I have to do it. It's not a submissive attitude. I remember the one time this just came to me when I was working for a former employer and and I, I told, this is what I said to God. Fine, I'll stay here, but I don't have to like it. <laughs> and here's what I heard next. Oh, yeah? We're going to work on that attitude, son. Because not only did he want me to stay there, but he also wanted me to change my attitude. Obeying is only part of the equation. It's a heart change that God is working on with submission. We said submission is not a, it's not a spiritual gift. It is a discipline. It's an attitude that has to be trained into us because we're not inclined to submit. The thing with submission, I think the hardest part of submission for me in all the scenarios that we've put forth is, quite frankly, in some areas, I know better. I mean, rightly speaking, I know better. I know the decision my husband is making is wrong. I know my parents are don't get the full picture. I know the authority over me. And, and I legitimately know better. So how do I see the end picture that's not going to end the way they think it's going to end and still submit to their authority and still recognize? And for me, it goes back to that very first line in First Peter, where it said, for the Lord's sake, submit. Positionally, I'm put somewhere. Okay? For this time and for this place, positionally, I'm put somewhere. I'm under this Ron's authority. But I don't even say Ron's authority. Ron is the head of the house. He's not a boss that lords it over me. And he is also very submissive to the Lord. And the same point, he's the head of the house. 
So when I say I'm under his authority, it doesn't mean that he bosses me around and tells me I can or can't do this or anything else. But when there's decisions to be made and we have um, conflicting opinions, I know that he hears me out. I know that he understands where I'm coming from, but I will allow his decisions to be be the final decision. To be the final decision. Because I know while they're not maybe decisions that I agree with, they're not decisions that are unbiblical. Yeah. They're not decisions that are unbiblical. I would never go along with Ron if Ron said, you know, hey, I think it's a really good idea that we swindle your parents out of, you know, such and such money. Okay? You know, now, mind you, both of our parents have been dead for a long time. Okay? So that's just a, a fictional thing. But I would never go along with that because I know that Ron's heart wouldn't be there. But if it's a matter of, okay, we're moving, where, where are we gonna live? You know, um, what contractor do we go with if we're gonna remodel? You know, those types of things. Do we get this insurance or do we get that insurance? Do we change this job, do we not? We may have different choices and different perspectives, but ultimately, Ron's gonna be held more accountable than I am gonna be before the Lord. And my submission, for the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, is what makes a difference. Yeah. And so, given that, there's. Elaine, I'm sorry. I like that because I was thinking about some of the things that I like to share with gentlemen is that when you're thinking about marrying someone as a woman, is that the man I'm selecting, this is a man that can be head of my household. And do I want to marry a man if I know beforehand that he loves football on Sunday and nothing comes before football on Sunday? Is this the man that you choose to head your household? Because if that's going to come first on Sunday, there's going to be a problem if you're someone that says, no, there's church on Sunday. He doesn't know that we go to church. So that's something we need to just think about when we're deciding on um, the husband. This person is going to leave my house and I have to submit to his authority the things that's going on, even if it's tithing. If I believe in tithing, but he thinks it's a waste of money, you yeah. know, we can use that money for something else. Those are some things that is going to be a problem when it comes to submitting to him. You're very right. You're very right. You need to figure out what your core values are going into a situation. But when you're in that situation and you haven't thought of those things prior to, you're in that situation. You know, and God set up that authority structure. When um, neither Ron nor I were or were Christian no. when we got married, and the choices that we made beforehand and everything, our life is very different. Of course, after Christ, understanding a biblical format of marriage, which we didn't understand for the first uh, fifteen years of our marriage, twenty years of our marriage, um, even when, after we became saved for a while. Yeah. Two things. Uh, maybe even three. Um, Thank you for sharing. One of the things that Jean and I, a strategy that we have, is if the decision needs to be made immediately, like within an hour, within a couple hours, even within a day, if the decision needs to be made immediately, we will discuss it, but then I will have responsibility for making that final decision if it is urgent. If it is not urgent, if that decision can wait, we will continue to discuss it and we will continue to allow, if we're not in agreement, we will continue to allow the spirit an opportunity 
to to work with one of us or who's ever you know whoever needs to be worked with I suppose until we can come into an agreement but again if that decision needs to be made quickly I am responsible for making that decision after hearing Gene out after hearing Gene out I am still responsible for making that decision because the decision needs to be made keyword is actually hearing mm -hmm. because there's a lot of times we talk and we don't hear. All right, it's understanding the heart, not just. Right. All right, you done? Okay, I'm still gonna. It's listening to, it's listening to understand. It's listening to understand. It's actually hearing. We were working with one couple, and the position of the 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 husband wasn't known for making the best financial decisions and so the wife was going to go into a position where she was going to lie about something to hide some money and she said well it's better to ask for forgiveness later I said yeah it doesn't really work that well because one we understand and it's it's a real hard situation because if if a husband makes a financial decision and it blows up, it impacts the entire household, doesn't it? It really does. It impacts the entire household. And at the same time, do we learn more from success or do we learn more from failure? We learn from failure. And this is, this is something for when we're raising kids, if we keep trying to protect the kids from failing, we're going to cripple them. We're not going to strengthen them at all. So what I shared with her was you're, you're removing the opportunity for God to work in your husband to develop better financial skills and better finance. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to counseling and all that other stuff. But what you're trying to do, and she said, well, it's going to impact me too. I said, yes. So, But at the same time, you're trying to control so much, you're not allowing God an opportunity you're not relying on God in this moment. And so it's it's really hard to navigate that submission, especially when it comes to some very critical aspects of our relationship, finances and sex. It's really difficult. So same thing goes with businesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, being submissive. I mean, it's, it's, we have to understand it's for the Lord's sake. Who likes that verse that says, you know, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me? Okay. It's through Christ. Okay. It's not I can do everything. It's through Christ. What about he works together for good, right? All right. What, what's the second part of that verse that everyone kind of forgets? Okay. So it's not just, you know, he works everything for good for everyone. Right. So if we're doing what we're supposed to do, then the Lord can do what he needs to do. We harbor, we ha not harbor, we hinder mm -hmm. God's ability to do something sometimes because we lack submission. I mean, not to say that God can't do it if he wanted to, but he uses us and he uses free will and he uses those things to... Um, define how much he's going to actually 
what we'll let him do. You know, I believe it's, it's a lack of trust and faith, too, in some of those situations. Mm -hmm. To where it's like, okay, you know, you're driving along, God, you know, he, he didn't control until you get a little turbulence. Now it's like you get into your own thoughts and everything, and rationalizing things and in your own mind instead of really just trusting and continuing to doing because when God asks us to do something, it's not if this or if that. When it comes down to me loving Renee or my, being a father to my children, it's not if they act right, if they act this way, it's like, no, this is what you need to do regardless of what they're doing. Which is, it's hard. It's, it's hard for us, especially in a culture that says, you don't like it, you move on. Yeah. Unfortunately, I know too many families, no, they're not Christ followers, that do just that. I'm only going to love you when you're doing what I want you to do. And there are probably some Christian families out there, too. And so we talked, we, then we entered into a time where we talked about why don't we like to submit? What are some of the excuses we give? And we ended on, on this excuse last week. We ended on this excuse. The idea is stupid. Or your way is stupid. I have a better way. And so we talked about that. We talked about when, when the boss asks us to do something, we know there's a better way or a different way. And, and all that sort of thing. So what we, what's important to understand is if we don't learn to submit in smaller things, when something bigger comes along. See, here's what I like about God. When you've been faithful in the smaller things, then what? More things will be given. Okay. If we, is it easier to lift a 10-pound weight or is it easier to lift a 100-pound weight? It's easier to lift a 10-pound weight. If you lift a 10-pound weight for a while, and then you go to a 20-pound, you can start lifting that because you've trained on a 10-pound weight, right? Pretty soon, you'll be able to lift a 100-pound weight. Well, if we're not submitting in the little things, we're not going to be able to submit in the big things later on because submission is a learned character trait. So unless we learn to submit in those small things, we're not... I travel a lot. You know how many people get up when that seatbelt sign is on? <laughs> it irritates the snot out of me. And then I learned one time, and, and here's what a flight attendant told me. We cannot actually force you to sit down. We cannot actually force you to sit down. We're not permitted. We can tell you to sit down, but that's as far as we can go. That should not give us freedom to get up whenever we want, by the way. There's a reason the seatbelt sign is on. And so it's, but when I look around, it's all these people, it's, it's a small thing. It really is a small thing. But unless we learn submission in the small things, we're not going to have it when, it when the bigger thing comes along. Here's another excuse people give not to submit. Independence is better than submission. How many think that? How many think it's better to be independent? Then submit. Well, right? I guess it depends what kind of independence you're talking about because sometimes we depend upon all the other okay. fellow and then we become codependent. Mm -hmm. However, being independent from God is what gets us in trouble. 
He wanted us to depend upon him. His will. Okay, let's say we're fully dependent on God. Okay, so our relationship with God is in line. If you look at society, what would society say? Is it better to be your own boss or have somebody be the boss of you? To be your own boss. I'm my own boss. I got to admit, I like that my commute changed from 17 miles to about 17 feet. I like the fact that I can go into our office in my pajamas and do a phone a conference call. That's not a webinar. I'll I'll clean up for a webinar. I like all that stuff. You know what I don't like? Not a consistent paycheck. I don't like the fact that guess who's working tomorrow on Veterans Day when I would have had it off. I I had it pretty cushy as a federal employee I really did because I had like 13 holidays that I didn't have to work I'm working holidays now aren't I I'm, I'm doing stuff or, or managing stuff uh, yeah I have to handle my own payroll I have a question how many people are independent contractors or kind of work for themselves okay got a couple in here when we work for ourselves we're not working for ourselves instead of having one boss Every single one of our clients are the people that we need to submit to. Because if we want to earn that paycheck, if we want to be able to build the business, okay, our clients now, our customers, whatever you want to call them, are the ones that we're now submissive to. So instead of just having, you know, your boss and your boss's boss and your boss's boss, now you've got all them, you know, you got rid of them, but the buck starts with you. Yeah. More okay. on. There's more on you, right? But we're not going to submit to the, you know, we're going to be independent. We're going to, there's actually more submission in being a self-employed person than there is in an other employed pers perspective. And you ended up working more hard and more time. So now you are entitled to finish and complete. Mm -hmm. So if you don't finish in time, now it's Exactly. All of the above. All of the above. So I, I like what you shared because I didn't think of it that way. So I'm glad you had the lung capacity to share that. Uh, well, it's important though. Because if we didn't learn to submit, if, if we left our jobs because it's like, I can't stand working for the man and all this other stuff. All of a sudden, Gene's right, you are working for several other people. And if you want to stay in business, that's a tough way to submit if you have that attitude going in that I'm running the show here. So. Pretty soon there might not be a show, right? Well, and, and There's some type of fruit flies in the yeah. room. And what I, what I appreciate is that at some point, Gene said it early on, I used to teach an ethics class uh, for ATF. And one of the things I, I said was if you, you know, getting into forensic science, especially young people, it's like, oh, what a neat job, you know, all this stuff. CSI, blue lights. CSI, blue lights, and all, you know, you can go out to crime scenes in high heels. Not that I would. <laughs> okay. Oh, come on, bro. 
Yeah, Jean, Jean's just shaking her head. <laughs> but there have been times, and even now as an independent contractor, when I work with criminal defense attorneys, there are times, well, that does me, I, I have one client in particular who, who I went to the scene and was able to recon, I, I had a much better picture of what went down at the scene than when I, just from the notes and the scarce notes and stuff. And I said, okay, here's what I think happened. And I, I gave him just a 30-second synopsis of, in my opinion, what happened at that scene. And he looks at me and goes, you know, I really hate you sometimes. You never give me any good news that I can use. And I looked at him I said, find an innocent client. Maybe we can talk. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had criminal defense attorney. I can't use any of this stuff. I said, well, at least you know. Yeah. that everything has been pretty much affirmed or confirmed. Yeah. I said so, but it's one of those situations where, you know, just because I have to share something doesn't mean I'm not being submissive to him. Because I, I'm just sharing the truth with him at that moment of what happened. And so it's, it's a, and, and so what I share with individuals and what I shared in the ethics class, count the cost whether it's marriage, whether it's a job, count the cost. Because if you go into a situation and it's going to violate core principles that you have, guess what's going to be happening that entire time? That's why scripture says don't Essentially, don't marry an unbeliever if you're a believer. And here's, Paul says that, and here's the great thing. He said, and he says, so he must assume that if, or he must, you know, if you're going to get married, you're going to get married to a believer, right? That's what Paul believes. And he still says, if you get married, you're going to have trouble. How much more trouble is there going to be? And that's why one of the things Gene and I share with couples that we meet with for premarital counseling, our goal is not to see you married. How's that for an opening line? <laughs> our goal is not to see you get married. Our goal is that if you say, I do, you understand what you've gotten into. So you are without excuse. We worked with one couple, and she refers to us as mom and dad. And about five or six weeks in, she looked at me and she said, when is this going to start being fun? I said, your wedding night. <laughs> but until then, we are preparing you. And this is boot camp. And we're doing it because we love you and because we want you to fully understand what this commitment looks like. So, Okay. So, independence is not necessarily better than submission. It's important to understand, and that's why Paul talks about don't forsake the gathering of together either. You know, big church, small church. Okay, don't forsake that, because we are dependent on one another. That's how God set it up. God set it up so that we would be interdependent. Anything else you want to share on that? All right. Uh, the other thing is submission. Uh, some people run away from submission because they believe that it leads to hardship, that independence actually makes us happier. 
How many have heard of the term independently wealthy? Okay. Is anybody truly ever independently wealthy? They have been dependent on somebody to gather that wealth. But how many people, you know, oh, it's just society, not in this room, but society. Man, if I could win the lottery, I'd pay off the house because no longer who am I dependent on? I'm no longer dependent on the bank to carry the law. And I could set my kids up for an education so that they don't have to worry about paying, you know, for school and everything else. I can do this. I can do this. I can, I can do all this stuff. How many people in society do believe that they will actually be much happier if they were independently wealthy? Because then I can do what I want. Gene, we are talking on the way down to cleansing stream. How do you see yourself in 10 years? I'd like to be doing less of what I'm doing now and traveling more. So there's certain things that we'd like to be able to accomplish, to do. But is it really independent? How many of us are earning the income that we could have only dreamed about when we were in high school? Oh, it goes far beyond okay, what I dreamed no, no, of in no, high no. school. Okay, it goes far beyond what you dreamed of in high school. And yet, are you there yet? You know, it's like in high school, it's like, man, if I could only earn like forty or 50000 a year, I've got it. I've got it made. You know, I could get my house. I could get all this, you know. And it's like, and now what do they say? The average... The average income to survive in the Bay Area is something like seventy thousand or something like that. No, you know, it's combined it's income. It's worse than that. Worse than that in SF. Yeah, I mean, in SF, it's one hundred and seventy thousand. I think yeah. is uh, the income to be able to just to live on the bare minimum. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's, and I know like I mean, God has provided very well for us, but we still, you know. There's lots of bills, you know, the money comes in and the money goes out, you know. Um, my brother-in-law, very wealthy man, um, very generous man. But he's buying all these things to make him happy. And a lot of money goes toward that. But he's still not where he wants to be because it's never really... Enough. No. You know, he's, he's a, a single man that just bought, I think it's a five-bedroom, six-bathroom house. With a five-car garage. With a five-car garage. You know? Well, no, he bought it because it was a garage. Why I buy it? Yeah, he bought it because it was a garage. You know? He bought it because of the garage. No, he had that many cars, so he wanted a place to keep them. So that the house came with the, you know. And, and but I mean, this is the deal. I mean, he's a wonderful man. He and he doesn't live for his money. And at the same time, he doesn't live for the Lord either. Amy, you were going to say something? Yeah, speaking of cars, um, Steve and I, when we were dating, we went on kayak rides, and we were in super kayaks next to each other. And then after we got married, we moved somewhere else, we got a double kayak. And I said, this is really interesting, because in the front of the kayak, I have the pedal, I can kind of say, oh, here's where I'd like to go. 
but Steve's behind me, he's the one that's more powerful, powering the boat, and if I do a decision to go this way, he can override that and go that way. I can paddle harder, the opposite direction. So I thought, wow, this is a really cool idea about submission. Like, I had something to submit to. I had power to submit to. Steve was the man. Okay. And but but the thing is though is that he he trusted my sense of direction because his sense of direction might not be so good you know uh-huh. you know and so um, it's a thing of where it was a co submission at the same time there was an overall you know but the, I like the Greek definition of the head of the home where it's the front of a ship that splits the weight in half to keep the boat afloat and so the um, so anyway. Um, Wait, maybe it's in the other way around. Anyway, anyway, but anyway, I knew I knew that we could get to the distance faster in a double kayak than a side by side. And when the couple lives together, it's like it's like paddling along in two double kayaks or two two side by side kayaks. You can always take off, you know. And then they try to be cohesive in their relationship, and it's like you can't. You don't have to practice. You're just kind of, you know. I mean, not, I mean, I'm sure that you have to have more time. But anyway, so. Oh, I like the analogy. I definitely yeah. like the analogy. But the other thing that I want to add about the analogy is being in the front, you see things from a different perspective yeah. Yeah. than in the back, yeah. you know. And and we've talked a lot about perspective, yeah. and we have to understand that part of part of being in any type of submissive relationship, whether we're talking about a husband, wife, parent, child, boss, whatever, um, we've got to understand that we're not seeing the whole picture. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing the whole picture. There is a story, and it is a true story. There's a story about a man who built a church in North Carolina. And he would look out, and in kind of one of the back rows, every Sunday there would be this man who would be back there just weeping. Newer church, and he's he's just weeping. And so after several Sundays, the the pastor goes up to him and he says, you know, I've noticed this. What's going on? And he says, I have something to show you. Again, brand new church. So he comes to the pastor's office that week, and he unrolls architectural plans for a church that are the same design as that church. And the reason he was crying is because God had called him to build that church in this location. But when hardship struck, he gave up because he was convinced that he wasn't hearing from God. And whether it's a, you know, whether it's a ministry, whether it's a job, or even if it's a marriage. Lord, I could, I, I, I'm convinced you told me to marry this person. Okay. Well, if that's the case, did you hear God? One, was God wrong? The answer is no. God's not wrong. Can we disobey God? Yep. Did we convince ourselves that we were hearing from God and we really weren't and maybe this wasn't supposed to be? Yep, that could be the case. 
did God actually bless us with a plan or were we trying to convince God to bless our plan? Okay. So there's all those things going on. Or did we quit at the first sign of struggle? Because when God gives us something, there's always a multifold purpose. So if God asks us to move something, to, to move in a direction, to accomplish something, to work in something, what do you think his primary goal is? To get the thing accomplished? Or to develop your character along the way? I would submit, we would submit, that is to build your character because God can accomplish anything he wants to accomplish. God created the stars in the universe. He doesn't need me to build a church. He can, it's there. Doesn't need me. And if we choose not to do it, God will raise up someone else to do it. Like his navigation system. And if he needs me, he can help me. So, if he wants to use me, I, I, I always say God doesn't do anything singularly. You know, I I always believe that not only is he using us for whatever this is, maybe it's to, to work in this relationship, maybe it's to bless or build something else, but he also always has something in it for me, you know, because God, God does not do anything singularly. You're always impacting, if you're in the Lord, this is my belief, um, you're always impacting your relationship with God and your and God's relationship with others when you're interacting with others. He, he doesn't do it, you know, like, oh, let's see, what pan will I use today? Oh, that pan looks good, you know, and the pan is just this hard surface that's not impacted. It's not true. We're impacted with everything that we choose to submit to. And we impact everyone else. I mean, the little moves that we make on BART, you know, how we how we drive on Highway 4, whether or not we are um, super pleasant. I mean, I love watching this lady in the store. She's always so nice. <laughs> she is always so nice to, you know, the checkout people and you know, it's it's just it's just a pleasure to bring, you know, even if she's having a really lousy day herself. You know, she gets up there's like, oh, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, just really very, and and it's been a model for me because I realize at times where, you know, okay, maybe I'm tired. Yeah, I always say hello and whatnot, but I mean, she puts on a real chipper, um, and I, I can only imagine what that's doing for the people on the receiving end, you know, and that's yeah. loving, and we're submitting to the Lord in that. Yeah, and even uh, a good sign of that submission, too, is uh, with respect to that and with respect to that story I heard, one of my prayers is, uh, I, you know, I, I wasn't very athletic growing up. I was one of the last kids selected for a team and stuff like that. But what I told God in that moment was, I don't care if I'm the 20th person you asked. I just want to make sure I'm the last. You have to ask. Yeah. And that level of submission, I don't care if I'm the 20th person you had to ask, but I want to make sure that I'm the last person you have to ask when you ask me. Okay, okay we're going to touch upon one more. And, uh, and this, is, this is a real touchy issue. Submission leads to abuse. 
submission leads to abuse or the potential for abuse, whether it be emotional abuse, whether it be physical abuse, whatever. Submission leads to abuse. Go to a third world country or South America. There are some stories we've heard that if you submit to police, if unless you submit to police, guess what's going to happen? You're going to. And even when you do submit to authorities down there, you're going to get harassed and everything else. You know, and you know our stance on abuse right now. You should know it by now. We are, none of that is going on. The concept is submission is never to be interpreted as submission to evil acts. That is contrary to the heart and will of God, period. And so, you know, we've, uh, a while back, maybe 15, 20 years ago, um, I, I, I still remember, I still remember when we were seeing somebody, you know Andy and Paula Ainsworth, they've been here often enough, yeah. right? I remember he said we had no reason, we had no biblical found foundation to separate. Okay, and so, you know, my history is I, I stopped seeing him for a while because he was telling me some stuff I really didn't want to hear. So I decided, well, I can fix that real easy. I'll just shut it off. <laughs> and while, and and basically he said, well, I'll see you again in about nine months. And it was about nine months later that I came back to him. And then he talked about, he goes, I, you know, I think separation for you guys was really good. I said, what happened to, to you know, when you said we had no biblical reason for separation? He goes, yeah, I was wrong. Because <laughs> at some point, at some point, okay, and this is for abuse, get out of the situation. When it says submit to your husband, it doesn't mean so he can beat on you. No, it's wrong, period, okay? But the real issue is when people ask that question, what they're really asking is this, where can I draw the line? There has to be a line, where can I draw? Where can I draw the line? The thing is, God has authorities in place to punish evildoers. In terms of a relative molesting someone, it's the police. In terms of a spouse beating another spouse, it's the police. In terms of an evil ruler such as Hitler, it's another nation. God has, a, that's what First Peter says, God has authorities in place. Okay? So what we're talking about is when we're talking about submission, we are not looking at those harsh areas of abuse that you have to get out of. Again, it goes against God's heart for that to be happening. What do you think might have happened? Pastor Steve told a story today. He read a, a letter of um, a Christian in Hitler's time in Germany that every Sunday they go to church and the train would come through with the Jewish passengers with the Jewish um, stuck in the kettle cars and they would be calling out and it broke their heart so much they didn't know what to do with it so they just chose that time to sing all the more louder what would have happened if true Christians stood up and said we're not doing this would the Holocaust have been the way it was, even at the risk of their own life? You know, are we willing to do that? 
are we going to say there's nothing we can do about it? With all these shootings that are happening now, all right, in this country, all right, why are those shootings happening? Because an individual or individuals are not right in their head, are hurt in their heart. Maybe they've been bullied, maybe they've been judged. Are we reaching out to the disenfranchised? Are we noticing? I mean, when, when it gets to that extent, when we, and, and we know what the answer is with respect to submission and abuse. We know what that answer is. But what we've been finding is that people are using that as an excuse for drawing the submission line, not up here, but way down here. Because what they do is they dismiss the entire concept of submission because of the one instance in which it can lead to abuse or in which abuse occurs in the submission process, in, in that submission. So with respect to that, the only thing I'm go we're going to ask is that as we, as we ask God about submission, and I would encourage, we would encourage you to ask God about submission this week. Where am I with respect to submission? Am I submitting to, am I submitting to my, to my spouse? Am I, oh, first of all, am I submitting to you well? Am I submitting to my spouse as you have called? That's husband or wife. Am I submitting to your desire for my kids? Because his desire for our children is that we do not frustrate them. So I'm not saying we should submit to our kids, but we should submit to God's will for our children. There's a difference. Am I submitting to my work authority? And if you don't want to work any, there anymore, that's fine. Count the cost. Count the cost. Am I submitting to the other authorities you've placed in my life? Let's ask God those questions. It's complete. Okay. Jean, Dave? Um, I really like what you said in the idea of submission versus abuse and, and the idea that being submissive, yes, it opens that up. You open yourself up to that possibility and it's out there. But I would venture to say that more often than not, by closing that off, we're also closing that off to things that God has for us. Yes. Because and I think it was said in here, we don't learn when things are easy. So there are things by opening ourselves up and being submissive, even with that risk out there. Hopefully, it's a long way out there. But you're you're by opening yourself up for that. You're then also opening yourself up to things that the Lord may have for you that you would have never have known. Yeah. And what it's you hear people say the idea of. I've been hurt by love, so I'm not doing that anymore. Well, if you're going to love, you but I want the relationship. Well, then you have to love. You have to be willing to love. That means yeah. you have to be willing to be hurt. And being submissive might mean the same thing. On some level, you have to have that risk yeah. there. Um, 
but if you're in a godly relationship, then hopefully it doesn't go that far, but you're still allowing yourself to be submissive to God and what you might have, and you may not find it any other way. Yeah. And what I really like about that is you never know when it can pop up, when the when that can pop up, or who it can impact. Uh, early October of 2016 or 15, I can't remember the date. My brother, my oldest brother, passed away, and it happened. I was traveling to Florida later on that year, or later on that month, even later on that month. And two of my brothers were going to be there. So we got together. And I was sharing with them about the mission trip that we were going to take in February to go to Israel and, and Palestine. And immediately, my bro- how do you think my brothers felt after losing one brother? And then they hear their younger brother saying, I'm going to go to a hot place for a couple of weeks. Now, my 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 thing was, you know, if I die, I die. I know where I'm going. But I can't take that cavalier attitude with my brothers who just lost a brother because they don't have that concept. They don't have that understanding. But we went on a mission trip. We spent five nights in Palestine. Nobody spends five nights in Palestine. That's stupid. We came out of one refugee, and we went into the refugee camps that were within. Palestine is a refugee country, and there's refugee camps within a refugee country. That's insane. And there's literally nightly raids by the police. And, I mean, I could show you pictures. You go into there, and there's on the the graffiti on the wall, um, you've got, uh, what do they call it, militia. Mm-hmm. You know, with guns and it's kind of, you know, with, with these things, you know, it's like you've got to stand strong and take them down. You know, all these slogans on on, on the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, we came out of we came out of ministering in one location, and you could smell the tear gas in here because the Israelis had been in there. So anyway, you know, we came back, everything was going well. You know, it was a fun trip. We had some good times with our friends, but you never realize the impact of submitting to certain things like that are. Because in May, I'm walking through in New Orleans, a hotel or a, a, a food, a mall, because we're going to a food court. I was there for a conference and they everybody went to the food court. I, I forgot to take off my conference badge. So I'm walking past the kiosk and, and this lady says, you look like a nice husband who wants to take nice things home to his wife. How could you not stop for that, right? <laughs> So I said, what are you selling? And she said, Dead Sea, Dead sea Lotions and stuff. And I said, oh, we already have those. I said, we went to visit Israel and Palestine uh, in February, so we have a lot, so I won't be buying any. She said, well, that's where I'm from. I said, where are you from? She said, I'm from Palestine. And I said, you have a very lovely country, and you know we visited there. She said, yeah, but you visited, right? You, you kind of got in and out. And I looked at it and I said, no, we actually stayed there. But you didn't. I said, okay, the group we were with, and I clarified for her, we spent five nights in Palestine, in Bethlehem. We spent five nights. And she began to cry. She says, nobody does that. Nobody does that because they're all afraid. I said, that's a shame because you have a very lovely country and you have very lovely people. You know, you're, you're a wonderful people. 
I want you to know that there's at least one group who cares for you very much and loves you very much. But you never know when that can happen. You never know when the true fruit of submission is going to hit or who it's going to impact. And in that case, it impacted a person I never knew and I will never ever see again except maybe for heaven one day. You just never know. Anything? Alright. Any comments, questions, snide remarks? Oh, I do have one. Is this a snide remark or comment? Or? Um, I was, God gave me a, a picture of submission to uh, what authority is supposed to look like. Okay, you know, when you get into your bed at night, you have this nice comforter, right? And you surround it, you surround yourself in it because you're cold. That's what authority is supposed to look like. It's, it's like, it's, a, it's, it's supposed to be cozy, it's supposed to be protective, it's supposed to be, you know, I mean, there's other visuals, but, you know, at the same time, it's just, it's, you have to have something to submit to. And if you if you want to be a leader in your house, you've got to figure out what does my submission blanket look like. And so I, I just want to throw that out there. Well, thank you. I think it's true. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the word of At the end of the class, why we finished that discussion about in Genesis, one of the curses was the husband shall have to Yep. I mean, when you get people that think of it that way, and it's a fuck right away. Mm-hmm. There's risk in it like that. There is risk. There is risk, and there's and there's sacrifice, and we also need to understand. Just as Christ's submission to his father looked really grim, he looks at it from the long term, the eternal perspective. Things we look at things as oh my gosh the whole world is over I'm thinking of all of the thousands of people tens of thousands of people that are being impacted by the fires that are going on right now things are not looking pretty for them okay and that loss is is tremendous but what does the Lord have in store for them yeah. what does the Lord have in store for them Keep in mind, it wasn't called Good Friday until after Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't a very good Friday. It only got the name after God showed up. So God's full plan was God's out. full plan was revealed. Sure. Father, thank you for this time that we have together, and Lord, thank you for showing us your heart with respect to submission. And Father God, I know it's not over yet. I'm, I know that as we walk throughout each and every day, Father God, we are called to submit to so many things and so many individuals, Father God. But let us be first and foremost submitted to you and your desire for our lives. So Father God, help us with that. And in any of those areas, if the question is being asked, is I'm, am I submitting well here, here, or here? Father God, that they would that we would all be able to hear your heart with that. Again, we pray for those uh, impacted by the wildfires, Father God, all throughout the state. And Father God, natural disasters all over the place. I mean, it's it's happening so many different places, Father God. We would ask for your provision and your heart to be known in those situations. We pray for their, our troops, not only in Afghanistan, but elsewhere, Father God, that you administer strength to them, Father God, and courage. And we thank, Lord, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for those that you have called for those that you have put it on our heart to serve our country and giving of themselves for us. 
Father God, we have freedom not only because you purchased it in Christ, but we also have freedom for what those soldiers do day after day after day. Allow them to know how much they are loved and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. And we'll see you next week.